0: Church. How's everybody do today? Come on, stand up and put your hands together like this. Take me from where I am into your can take away. No one can take away. we hey. hey. That freedom is in the house. Man, God, you are so good. You are faithful. And you deserve all praise. Oh, I've tried so hard to see More time.
1: years ago you gave us your greatest gift in the person of Jesus that he is in fact our champion for us that we couldn't secure for ourselves and so this morning God with hearts grateful hearts grateful full of gratitude and thanksgiving we come father today we enter your gates with thanksgiving we come into your courts with praise and we thank you Lord for the finished work of the cross that once and for all you defeated death hell and the grave and you made an open show triumphing over them through the cross jesus we declare this morning that you are our champion why don't you just lift up your hands right where you are just as an act of surrender as an act of submission as an act of gratitude to god right now in this moment lord we take pause to say thank you we can walk in victory we can walk in triumph not because we had to fight life's battles but because you did it on our behalf we thank you Lord that you crown us you crown us with confidence crown us with confidence we are who you say that we are not what's been spoken against us or spoken over us by people who didn't love us or didn't care about us we are who you say we are sons and daughters of the Most High God accepted approved loved so Lord this morning as we draw near and we we come to a communion now Lord we thank you that all those things are true concerning us and you did it all for us Lord we thank you for the symbol the emblem of the broken body of Jesus Lord Jesus we thank you that your body was broken you loved us so much that you demonstrated your love. You didn't just say, I love you. You demonstrated it. And your body was broken on our behalf. And this morning, this Pentecost Sunday, we stopped long enough to say thank you for paying the ultimate price on our behalf. In Jesus' name. Lord, we thank you that this emblem, this symbol of your broken body, is blessed to our bodies and our lives to your service even now. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. Take now and eat. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. of god continues and says on the same night that jesus was betrayed he also took the cup and he said this is my blood which is shed for you and as often as you drink of this cup you do it in remembrance of me lord right now in this moment we remember your shed blood your word declares that without the shedding of blood there is no forgiveness of sin lord we stand before you without condemnation Without hesitation or reservation, not because of how good we've been, but because of how good you are. We thank you that your blood, your blood, gives us right standing with the Father. We thank you for that now. That there are no barriers, no hindrances. We can draw near to you just as we are. So we thank you, Lord, for this symbol, this emblem of your shed blood that this blood will never lose its power. Right now, it still heals, it still delivers, it still sets free. So we thank you that this cup is blessed to our bodies and our lives to your service. And we thank you, Lord, that your word says if our hearts condemn us not, we have confidence toward God. This morning, because of your blood, you've taken away condemnation. And you have replaced it with confidence toward you. Thank you, Lord, for that. In Jesus' name, take down and drink together. We bless you, Lord. Let's continue in worship together.
0: Father God, we love you. And we thank you that you are our champion, that you go before us, you're behind us, you're beside us, and your Holy Spirit dwells inside of us. And we love you for what you are doing in this house today. We love you for what you're doing as people watch, all over the world online. God, we thank you that you're mending broken hearts, you're shifting atmospheres, your presence is changing things. And God, we are so grateful and we're so thankful for you, Jesus. And we're so grateful and thankful for the Holy Spirit. And all God's people said, amen and amen and amen. Amen. Amen.
2: Good morning, Converge. You can go ahead and have a seat.
3: Good morning.
2: Good morning. Good morning. Thank you all for joining us. If you're joining us at Converge Nation Live, we thank you for tuning in yeah. and, and choosing Converge to spend your morning with. If it's your first time here with us, welcome. We are so happy uh, you chose converge this morning of all the options you yeah. have around our area. Uh, we are so happy to have you. We hope you're blessed. If it's your first time, we also want to say hey to you after the service. Stop by our welcome center, our connection center. Uh, we'll give you a little card to fill out your information. We won't pester you, uh, but we will keep you connected on what's going on, and we just want to be able to get to know your name, who you are, so make sure you stop there. We also have a small gift for you. as our way of saying thank you for joining us, so please see us out there. Also, um, want to make sure that you're staying up to date with what's going on um, here at Converge by following us on social media. If you aren't already, we are on most of the platforms at We Are Converge, except for TikTok, we are at Converge Church. So make sure you're following us. We keep you posted on little clips of the word from Pastor Ray, Pastor Wendy, Kuketso, um, different times, but also on uh, news that's coming up um, in the future. One other tidbit, you may see my new shirt I'm wearing for all of my beautiful ladies in the house. You all look like cover girls every day, especially (laughs) when you come in here, but also we've got to remember and know that we are covered girls, Um, and we have a little um, text on the side of Psalm 91 just to remind us that all that we go through, all that happens in our life, we are promised and we are promised that we are covered and we are covered by the love of God and the protection of God. So um, make sure you stop by the merch table. We have the black t-shirts for sale. We'll have white ones. So make sure you get your new Converge merch. Go visit Wilhelmina at the merch table. Uh, Next up too is some reminders. On um, June 19th is Father's Day and baby dedications. So to all of our men, fathers, father figures, we want to have a special blessing for you that day. Attire is suits and sweet kicks. So wear your suits and sneakers. Um, get dressed up. We want to celebrate you. And also, if you haven't already registered your babies or little ones for baby dedication, email us at admin at we are so we know that we can uh, celebrate and welcome your little one to the Converged family.
3: Amen. Amen. Um, and now we're going to move into the Blessed Life segment of today's service. Uh, this is our way to partner up with... Yes, so we're moving into the Blessed Life segment of our service. This is our way to partner with the church in what it's doing in the mission. Um, It is our way of moving God's mission forward through Converge Church. We have multiple ways to give. We have the ushers in the aisle. If you need an envelope, please raise up your hand and they'll get one to you. We ask that you fill it out in its entirety so we can properly account for your giving. We also have other ways to give. You can do so safely and securely online by going to www.weareconverged.com forward slash give you can also give via text by texting converge give plus the dollar amount to 77977 again you can also give through the mobile app and you can search for it in the Apple or Play Store look for Converge Church Plano and you'll find other ways to give as well which will also be on the screen in front of you Amen alright let us take a word of prayer to thank God for our gifts Father we thank you thank you father for this day that you've made Lord we thank you for the gifts that we are about to receive father we thank you that for every heart that is giving for every hand that is willing to give father to move your mission and vision forward all we know father is that you are Jaira that you are the one that gives us you are the one that sees our need and meets it and so father what you do in the lives of each and every one of your people We ask you that you do it and show them abundance, Lord, even as we thank you for these gifts that we are receiving today. It is in a mighty and matchless name that we pray, Jesus. Amen. Enjoy the rest of the worship experience.
0: Man, I'm excited to lead this next song. The first verse says, Mountains are still being moved. Strongholds are still being loosed. God, if we believe it, yes, we can see it. Wonders are still what you do. Mountains are still being moved. Strongholds are still being loosed. God, we believe it. Yes, we can see that wonders are still what You do. Come on, you believe that today? And bodies are still being raised. Oh, giants are still being slain. Yes, God. See that wonders are still what you do. Mm. We are here for. today Say it one more time. We need a move. Oh, we need a move. We need a move. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We need a move. We need a move. Come on, church, that's it. We need a move. Now, switch it up and say, I need a move. Say, I need a move. Come on, make it personal today. I need, need, need a if I'm standing in the- are so grateful and so thankful that your presence is here. That we come here just to meet with you and nothing else and nothing else will do. We just want you, Jesus. And we continue to seek after everything you have in your word. God, we thank you son Jesus God we thank you for the Holy Spirit and we are so grateful and so thankful that Pastor Ray is talking about ghost stories today the Holy Spirit and we are excited to hear what he has to say and in all God's people said
1: anybody excited to be in the house this morning yeah 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 listen if you didn't already know and this is what I believe I believe you do know this that today is a very important day in the history of the church the life of the church today across the world believers Christ followers churches are gathered have gathered to celebrate Pentecost Sunday and this is the way that the church gets to say happy birthday to the church Because on the day of Pentecost, 2,000 years ago, God poured out His Spirit just as He promised and upon 120 faithful believers who were gathered in the upper room in anticipation and earnest expectation of the promise of the Holy Spirit. And on that day, the day of Pentecost, the church was born. 2,000 years later, we're still here and we're still standing. So it's very fitting very appropriate that we're kicking off a series discussing the person, the power, the purpose, and the promise, the promise of the Holy Spirit on Pentecost Sunday. I've decided to call this uh, series Ghost Stories. So over the next several weeks, we're going to be on a journey of discovery. We're going to unpack and discover what the Bible has to say about the person, the person of the Holy Spirit. Spirit most of us would admit that that we have a a pretty good understanding of who our Heavenly Father is most of us would say we could share and and comment and talk extensively about the person of Jesus our Savior but when it comes to talking about this third person of the Godhead Holy Spirit uh, many of us fall short Uh, So the technical uh, 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 description for what we're going to be talking about over the next several weeks is pneumatology, pneumatology. Pneuma is where we derive the word spirit, or it's the Greek word for spirit. Pneumatology is simply the study of Holy Spirit. We're going to dive into the text here momentarily. But how many of you would agree, just just as Chad and the worship team let us, listen, we need a move, y'all. We need a move. We need a move of God in our churches. We need a move of God in our nation. We need a move of God in our families, in our households, in our marriages, in our schools. Listen, we need a move, not just a solitary moment, but we need a sustained move of God in our lives. And as we look to the text this morning, we'll discover the places, the conditions, the environments, the atmospheres that are conducive for moves of God. If you want to experience God in your life, the person, the promise, the power, and the purpose of the Holy Spirit in your life, there are conditions, there are environments that are conducive to his presence, and that's where we want to live. We want to buy intention and design, create environments where God chooses to abide. Are oh, you listening to what I'm saying? Not where we, not where we grieve him, but where he chooses to make his habitation. That's what God wants. And over the next several weeks, we will discover what that looks like in our own lives when we make our hearts and we make our our lives and we make our homes and our families a place where God chooses to abide. Before we dive into the Word, let's welcome our online audience, all those joining us virtually. Let's show them some love, Converge Nation. Yeah, we're glad for those of you who are here in, in the flesh, man, listen, the psalmist said, where two or three are gathered together in his name, there he is in the midst of them. And, uh, but we also welcome those joining us virtually, those joining us online from around the country and around the world. As I mentioned uh, earlier, we're starting a brand new sermon series that we're calling Ghost Stories. We're going to walk through scripture and we're gonna uh, examine the chronicles of the Acts of the Holy Spirit. We call Acts the book of Acts, the Acts of the Apostles. It's more accurately should it should more accurately be described as the Acts of the Holy Spirit through the apostles. Amen. And so we're going to walk through this this catalog of stories in scripture that help us understand and interact with Holy Spirit for who he is. Notice I said who he, not it, because he is a person. He is the third person of the Godhead, and we will unpack that uh, some today and in the weeks to come. If you're with me, say amen. amen. Ghost stories. Uh, uh, and we're going to walk through this as if this were a, a book, and, uh, and so chapter one, today chapter one, we're calling... Outpouring, outpouring, uh, and it's fitting that we're calling it outpouring today because 2,000 years ago, on the days of day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit was poured out upon the church upon 120 faithful believers in a nondescript upper room, and on that day the church was born. Today we revisit, we revisit that notable move of God upon these 120 people who were all gathered in the upper room. He said, Pastor Ray, well, why is that important? All right? Isn't Jesus enough? Uh, And uh, uh, I've got an answer for that. I've got an answer for that. And the answer to that question is lifted from the words of Jesus himself. Are you all with me? Why is it important that as Christ followers, we cultivate and develop a relationship with the Holy Spirit? Uh, Why is that important? Notice the words of Jesus in John chapter 16, which is one of our anchor texts for not only today's message, but also for the series. Notice what the scripture says, I have told you these things so that you won't abandon your faith, for you will be expelled from the synagogues and the time is coming when those who kill you will think they are doing a holy service to God. Notice this is the final week of Jesus' life and ministry on earth. And he is preparing his disciples for his imminent transition. The reason this is significant is because of the context. He's speaking to a group of men who wanted to hold on when Jesus was telling them, let go. And a lot of times we make that mistake in life. We don't recognize the divine transitions of God. We don't recognize when God is ending one chapter and beginning another chapter. And Jesus was telling them, I have walked this earth for 33 years. Three of those years, I have had a public teaching ministry. I'm about to go to the cross and I'm going to leave you behind. They didn't want to hear that. They couldn't even understand that because they wanted Jesus to be a Messiah of their own making. And I don't know if you're guilty of this, but I can say I've been guilty of this when I wanted Jesus to fit in my box. When I wanted, to Jesus, when I wanted Jesus to respond to my needs on my terms. And Jesus is about, he's telling them, as he has told them many times before, I ain't going to be here forever. This whole idea that you have, that I'm somehow going to uproot And remove Roman occupation is a figment of your imagination. That's a story you keep telling yourself and you have now convinced yourself of. That ain't me. That ain't why I came. And that ain't what I was called or assigned to do. So this is sort of the countdown to Jesus, not only his passion, but his ultimate and inevitable crucifixion and resurrection. He's preparing them for this transition. And he's telling them about what they will suffer. Oh, I'm talking to Christians and suffering? He's telling them and preparing them for the things that they will suffer because they have identified with him. For those of us who think that serving Jesus Means that life just comes in these neat, tiny, little packages all wrapped together. And everything is just perfect. For those of us who want the rose without the thorns. For those of us who want the promise without the process. Jesus is preparing them and saying, I'm about to give you all the deuces. But it's all a part of the plan. And it's not going to unfold according to your plan or your agenda. And he's preparing them for the inevitable persecution that they are about to face as a result of their identification with him. And he goes on to say that some of the challenges you will encounter will be at the hands of people who are persecuting you thinking they're doing it in my name. Hmm, there's a lot I could say about that. But notice what Jesus says next. He says, this is because they have never known the Father or me. He says, people are going to do that to you because they have a form of godliness and deny the power thereof. They claim to know me But they really don't, because if they did know me, they would not just tolerate you, they would celebrate you. Let me tell you something. Not every person who comes in the name of God is of God. And that's why Jesus' most intense and fierce confrontations was with religious people. And the world's problem is not with Jesus. The world's problem is with his lousy PR firm called the church. Called religious folk who by our actions misrepresent him every opportunity we have. You know how we misrepresent him? We misrepresent him by the way we carry ourselves, the things we say, the things we do. And when people look at our lives, it's almost like you ain't no different from everybody else. Why should I want your Jesus? If I'm going to serve your Jesus, at least my life better be better because of serving Jesus. But you serving Jesus and you just as anxious, just as frustrated, just as angry, just as depressed as everybody else? No, hold up. Let Jesus work for you before you convince him that he can work for me. Yeah. And we have done a horrible job of re- re- representing Jesus to our world because there's no evidence of him at work in our lives. I had a conversation with a young couple, and I, and I digress, I'll get back to a message, but I had a young conversation with a young couple. Is that Pastor Ray? Uh, it was in reference to the four agreements. I did that about two weeks ago. He said, Man, the craziest thing. He said, I have the hardest time with conflict, not with my friends who aren't saved, but with my friends who are saved. They are the ones who are most easily offended, they are the ones who are least likely to forgive an offense. And he says, I'm looking at my Christian friends and how they respond to conflict. And I'm looking at my friends who don't serve Jesus and how they respond to conflict. And it blows my mind that the Christians who should be the example are worse off than people who don't even serve Christ. And Jesus says, the reason they're responding to you like that is because they never knew me or the Father. Don't be caught in that boat where you have a form of godliness, you say all the right things, but in your heart, you're so far from Jesus. Mahatma Gandhi, Mahatma Gandhi famously said, I love their Christ. It's their Christians I struggle with. Their Christians are so unlike their Christ. Mahatma Gandhi wasn't a Christian, but his whole posture of passive resistance, you know where he learned it? He learned it from Scripture. He learned it from the Bible. The reason he had this posture of passive resistance was because he read the words of Jesus turned the other cheek. And the reason he never crossed the line of faith was he saw how Christians, people who gathered in churches, treated people like him when he lived in South Africa because of the color of his skin. Christians who gathered every Sunday morning and sang hymns to God and walked out of the building and treated people like Gandhi and Africans the way they did. He said, I love their Christ. I love Jesus. My problem is with the people that follow him because they are so unlike the Jesus they profess. I'm about to talk about the work of the Holy Spirit and what the Holy Spirit ought to be doing in our lives if we let him. He will deal with your resentment. He will deal with your hatred. He will undo, undo your stinking thinking Concerning God, concerning yourself, and concerning others. And Jesus is preparing them for his departure. And he's saying, things are not going to be as easy as you thought. In fact, I'm releasing you and leaving you into a hostile environment. And he continues. He continues. He said, I didn't tell you this earlier because I was going to be with you for a while longer. He said, I didn't need to tell you this while I was still with you. But he said, listen, the transition is about to happen. Three and a half years of me pouring into you is coming to an end. And in verse 5, he says, but now I am going away to the one who sent me. Jesus is saying, I'm going back to the Father. And not one of you is asking where I'm going. You know why they weren't asking where he was going? Because they thought he was about to stay with them. They thought he was going to be with them forever. Because they had reduced Jesus to their agenda. And Jesus was like, hold up, man. I'm about to leave and nobody's even asking me the question. So he said, okay, since y'all won't ask me, let me just tell y'all what's about to go down. And notice what he says. He said, but now I'm going away to the one who sent me and not one of you is asking where I'm going. Instead you grieve because of what I've told you. But in fact, I want you all to catch this now because this is the crux of this entire series is verse seven. He said, in fact, it is best for you that I go away. One translation says, notice, y'all grieving the fact that I'm leaving, but no, 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 don't cry about this thing. It is to your advantage. It is best for you that I go, because when I go, the Holy Spirit will come. Notice what he says, he says, because if I don't go, the advocate, the comforter, the helper won't come. But if I do go away, I will send him to you. You know why it was important for us to understand the work of the Holy Spirit? It's because Jesus says, it is best for you And to your advantage that I go, because if I go and when I go, I will send the Holy Spirit. I'm not going to get into it today, but that word translated advocate, that word translated comforter, that word translated helper is a Greek word, parakletos, which has a sevenfold meaning. It means he is your comforter. It means he is your counselor. If you ever need counsel, if you ever have questions about what to do now and what to do next, Holy Spirit is your counselor. He not only comforts you in your pain and affliction, but he gives you wise counsel concerning your decisions. It is the work of the Holy Spirit. He is your advocate. He is your intercessor. He is your stand-by. He's all of these things. And in this series, we will talk about these seven advantages that the Holy Spirit gives to the believer. Jesus himself said, it is to your advantage that I go. It is for your benefit that I go. He said in the NLT, it is best that I go. Because I won't leave you comfortless. I will send you a comforter. Wow. Y'all are often awful quiet in this Presbyterian church this morning. Y'all listening? John chapter 16 and verse seven is the premise for this series is the foundation. It is to your advantage. And the question then becomes, in my life every single day that I live, am I taking advantage of the help that I have from God? Are y'all listening to what I'm saying? The help that I have from God when I need comfort, when I need counsel, when I need an advocate, when I need a standby, when I need an intercessor, am I taking advantage of these benefits that should accrue to me as a believer? I don't know how many people today will take a job that has no benefits. That you'll just show up, go to work, and go home. No health benefits, no insurance, No retirement. In fact, most people when you interview for a job, you not only want to know how much they're going to pay you, you want to know something about that package. And most of us as believers have settled for salvation alone. Oh, I'm born again and I'm going to heaven. And we don't take advantage of all that God has given us to win in this life right now. Are y'all listening to what I'm saying? Uh, I'm not a really techy guy. I don't like gadgets, and if I buy a gadget, it's usually so it can do the bare minimum. So I got this fancy Android, and don't judge me, all your Apple people, because I know y'all out there. Listen, let me tell you something about Apple. The only advantage Apple got, and y'all so proud of this, that y'all can like and love and emphasize text and stuff, that's all y'all can do that I can't do. What was I talking about? Listen to me. So for me, I get the fancy phone that usually has the, 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 the S Pen and the Samsung Pen and the stylus that I never use. Most I do with my phone is call and text. And every now and then video. And how many of you realize that device in your hands is capable of so much more than you use it for? The Holy Spirit abides in you for so much more than just getting you across the line of faith, which is significant. But Jesus said there are advantages. There are features on that phone that would make your life easier, but you don't even recognize, exist. And so while you and I are struggling through life, God is saying, tap into the power that abides and resides within you. Somebody say, I got the power. But what good is the power if you never flip the switch? that power is dormant it can't benefit you and most of us have become content walking around the house in darkness when god says if you just flip the switch you're stumbling through life in darkness because you haven't flipped the switch and so there's power available to you that you haven't tapped into as a christ follower So notice what the scripture says. Somebody said, power! Power. Power. Notice what the scripture says. Jesus says, that's the promise made. The promise made is John 16. When we get to Acts chapter 2, it is the promise fulfilled. Don't you just love people who keep their word? People who make promises and honor their commitments? Oh, that's Jesus. So in John chapter 16, he says, this is what I'm going to do. In Acts chapter 2 we see the fulfillment of the promise but he makes a second promise that helps us understand also what the Holy Spirit is gonna do in the life of the believers I'm going somewhere I have to set this thing up because this is foundational so he makes the promise in John 16 and then he affirms and confirms the promise in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8 notice what he says this is this is this is After his resurrection, y'all know Jesus died on Good Friday, rose on Easter Sunday, but the scripture says for 40 days. Go back and read scripture for 40 days. Over a period of 40 days, Jesus appeared to people to confirm to them that he was actually risen from the dead. Over a period of 40 days. So he didn't just die and ascend into heaven and never come back. Over a period of 40 days, he appeared to his disciples. He appeared to all these different people. In fact, 1 Corinthians says he appeared to as many as 500 in one instance to affirm that he was, in fact, bodily resurrected from the dead. What we're about to read in Acts chapter 1, is when Jesus ascends after 40 days of proving to people like Thomas who doubted the resurrection that he was actually alive. And this is what he says. Most Bible scholars and theologians believe this is around day number 40 after Jesus has presented himself alive to the multitudes. Notice Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. Notice what he says. But you shall receive what? Power. Hey, I love that the Holy Spirit is a comforter. I love that He's an advocate. But man, I love the fact that when the Holy Spirit comes, I'll receive some power. Yes, I'll receive some power. I'll receive some power to win at life. I'll receive some power to live victoriously and triumphantly in life without manipulation. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's good. Without having to treat anybody, without having to trick anybody, I receive power that allows me to live victorious in this life. Notice what he says, you shall receive power. When? When the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Let me unpack that verse for you. Two words I wanna highlight. Number one, the first word is power. Somebody said power. Wow. The Second word I wanna highlight is the word witnesses. Y'all ready for this? So the first thing Jesus says, when the Holy Spirit comes, you receive help, divine help, divine enablement, divine graces. You receive an advocate, a helper, a standby, an intercessor. You receive power. The Greek word translated power is the word dunamis or dynamis. It's where we get the word dynamite. Jesus was saying to his disciples, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you receive dynamic explosive power listen to me that's what you're packing that's what you are carrying but for most of us that power is dormant it's there but we never tap into it we never place a demand on the power that is within us the Holy Spirit who abides in us and God is saying, "Ray, you curled up in the fetal position, crying. Holy Spirit, activate." Right. That's right. Yes, sir. Yeah. Yes, sir. Most of you have seen the meme. In fact, I showed the show when when the lady said it, and it was it was uh, 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 um, Wilson Phillips. It was a celebrity family feud, and their family won. Feud, and it was time for them to do fast money. She was one of the ones selected for fast money, and she came up second. And when she came up second, she was so nervous. But she's a Christ follower, and so she started dancing and singing, this, "Holy Spirit, activate, Holy Spirit." Y'all seen the meme? And I know it's, it's it's funny, and it's not the kind of thing that you expect to see on Family Feud. But that girl was tapping into something. She was saying that there's a power that abides in me that I need to activate right now in this moment that most of us ignore and sometimes override. Listen to me, the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit ought to do for you what the phone booth did for Clark Kent. Listen, the power of the Holy Spirit will turn you from a bumbling, confused, insecure reporter into Superman. Somebody say that with me. Holy Spirit, activate. That power is in you, but for most of us, it's just dormant. That's why Paul said to his protege, Timothy who had issues with fear and insecurity. And if you're in the building this morning and you have issues with fear and insecurity, you need to say, Holy Spirit, activate. Paul says to Timothy, fan into flame the gift of God that is within you. When you read it in the Greek, the idea is that there was a flame that's about to go out. And you got to fan it to get that fire back. And unfortunately, that's where most Christians are. The fire of God, that fire that once burned within you, is now nothing but embers. Huh?
4: Is this helping anybody yet?
1: <laughs> I'm telling you, I'm telling you. I was at a friend's graduation, their daughter's graduation party, lifelong friends. And their son, oh boy, here go again. Their son works at Apple. (laughs) And he doesn't just work at, I guess he's, I forget what it's called. He's a creative something. So he does all the classes and all of that. So we're sitting at the table. And all of them start pulling out their iPhones. And the one guy says to the kid, hey, man, show me something that I don't know. And so he pulls out the phone. He said, hey, just hold your finger down on a spot that's got nothing on it. And this bubble popped up. I wasn't looking at what they were doing because, you know, it was just evil. <laughs> and anyway, they start talking about it. The guy was like, oh, wow. It can do that. It can do that. Oh, wow. Oh, my goodness. Wow, wow, wow. Oh, and all of a sudden, he got all of his apps off of the home page into a library. But this guy didn't know that. You see what I'm saying? It was something that was available to him. Listen, what you don't know is hurting you. Okay. What did I? What was I talking about? I'm talking about power. I'm telling you. Listen, you are packing some power but you gotta activate it. And we'll talk about it in the weeks to come, how we activate this power. Notice, notice what that word means. That word dunamis means strength, power. Come on somebody, ability, inherent power. But notice the next definition. It is power residing in a thing by virtue of its nature. Y'all hear that? There is a power A divine power that resides in you by virtue of your nature as a Christ follower. That means when you became born again, when you got born again, there was a power that came to abide and reside in you by virtue of the fact that you are a Christian. It is inherent in you as a believer, but it's been lying dormant. Now notice what the word witness is. He says two things. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you're going to receive power and number 2 you're going to become my witness. What does the word witness mean? The word witness literally in the Greek is the word martyr. And we all know what a martyr is. Someone who is willing to die for their convictions. But that's not just it. A martyr is someone who is not only willing to die for their convictions is also somebody who is willing to live yeah. for their convictions. Let me unpack that definition for you because I got excited when I was studying. It means three things. Number one, you're going to receive power. But here's the second thing that's going to happen. You're going to become a witness. (laughs) Witness means your life will testify of my power. You've heard people say "Uh, your life is the only Bible that some people might ever read. When people are reading your life, what do they see? That's why Jesus said, let your light so shine before men that they might what? See your good deeds. And guess what they do? They glorify your Father in heaven. He said, you will be a witness because of the power you carry. Your life will testify of my power. Question, are you living victoriously? Does your life testify that God's power is at work in your life? That's a loaded question. And if it doesn't, i got to ask myself the question, why? If I carry this power, my life ought to testify that I have divine power that allows me to win in life. Number two, number two, number two. Others will be spectators of my power at work in you. Are you with me? When was the last time somebody just came up to you and said, hey, man, man, I see everything you're going through, but how come you're just always so full of joy and peace? Or are we down in the mully grubs with people just as busted and disgusted when our lives are supposed to testify of the opposite? Because the power of God is actively at work in our lives. What is your distinction? Because you follow Christ. There ought to be evidence. There ought to be something empirical, measurable, practical that people can see and say, you know what? Because this guy walks with Jesus, his life is different and I want some of that. That's what the power of God does for us. And then, thirdly, as a martyr, as a witness, you will be empowered to live and die for your convictions. The third thing he says in Acts chapter one, come on, somebody, I came loaded this morning, man. The third thing he says is you will be my witnesses in four places, in four places. Number one, Jerusalem, locally. Wherever you're planted, you'll be my witness. Wherever you go, people will see my power at work in you because I live in you. Number two, he says, Judea. That is regional or national. Here's the third one that I love. Y'all ready for this one? Not just in Jerusalem, because most of us just want to localize our faith. We're unwilling to do anything that God requires us to do outside of our comfort zone. And may I say to you, nothing profitable ever happens in your comfort zone. Your comfort zone is where your dreams go to die. I want you to hear that again. If all you're comfortable with is God, give me power just so I can be comfortable in my comfort zone. Nothing profitable. In fact, your comfort zone is where life loses its tension. That pull, that thing that used to pull you to become better, greater, to aspire, to achieve. In your comfort zone, you lose that tension and just sit there. And that's why Jesus said it's not only enough for you to be a witness locally. He said, do it in Judea, regionally, nationally, outside of your comfort zone. And then it goes a step further, Coquetsu. Y'all ready for this? He said, you will be my witness where? In Samaria. Most of us lose the significance of what he's saying. Because if you know history of Jews and Samaritans, you know that Jews have nothing to do with Samaritans. In fact, Jews called Samaritans dogs. And he said, I will so empower you. I will, listen, that when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you're not just going to minister locally and regionally, you're going to be empowered to minister cross-culturally. You mean to tell me? Somebody who has hated me my whole life, because of the color of my skin, because of where I grew up, because of my heritage. You mean to tell me when the Holy Spirit comes upon me, I can love somebody that used to hate me? Here it is. And I can love somebody that I used to hate? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because the Jews and Samaritans had nothing to do with each other. I'm talking about the power to minister across social and cultural barriers. That when the whole world is screaming, don't mix with their kind, don't go over there. You can't trust that one. God empowers us as believers to be the difference makers that break down barriers by the Spirit of God. And that's why we are a multicultural church. And that's why when people come to me with foolishness about, why you do this? Why you do this? Listen to me. I have dealt with people who say, Ray, you're from Africa. Why don't you play African music on the stage? And they've left the church. There are people who forget that I'm African. And they say, Ray, play more gospel music. There's more black people in the church than white people or Hispanic or Asian or whatever. And they forget that the power of God within you will allow you to minister in Samaria. Beyond your stinking little preferences. Because if you're African, and all you want is African music, you're stuck in Jerusalem. When God is calling you to Samaria. Yeah. The power that's lying dormant within us Is the power of the Holy Spirit that would allow us to minister to people and love people who don't think like us who don't look like us who don't vote like us who don't always agree with us because the power of God empowered the early church to minister in Samaria that means there were Jews walking into Samaria to love them to serve them to wash their feet And the only other person who had done that before the early church was Jesus. In John chapter 4, when Jesus went against the grain, he was on his way to Judea and the scripture says he must needs go through Samaria. That's King James to just say there was an urgency. Now Jesus being a Jewish rabbi had no business in Samaria. Samaria. Yet the Spirit of God within him compelled him to go through Samaria. And on that fateful day, when he went to Samaria, he met a woman at the well. I'm talking about breaking... The problem with most people who claim they're Christian is their identity is their ethnicity first. When if you're a Christian... God's expectation of you is that you are a Christian first. Not white, not black. You are a Christ follower first. In fact, in Christ, in Christ, he went on to say in the epistles that in Christ there is neither Jew nor Greek. Jesus goes to Samaria, and he's breaking all these societal and cultural norms. Number one, he shows up at the well. But his disciples are hungry, so he sends them away. And while he is alone at the well, guess who shows up? A woman. Not just any woman, a Samaritan woman. And you know the culture of Jesus' day. Number one, he had no business speaking publicly to a woman who wasn't his wife. Number two, as a Jew, he had no business interacting with a Samaritan. But the beautiful thing about the story is this woman comes to the well alone, which is another telling factor in this story. Because most of the women came, the women and children came early in the morning at 6 a.m. when it was still cool out to fetch water. Here's this woman coming to the well all by herself in the middle of the day. And as we unpack her story, we know why. Because she had been married five times. And the man she was living with wasn't even her husband. She was shacking. And because of that, she had no friends. The reason she couldn't come to the well at 6 a.m. was because of what all the real housewives of Samaria would have said to her. And if they didn't say it to her, it would have been because of the way they looked at her. Hmm? All the basketball wives. And so she comes to the well alone to draw water. But Jesus was there. And before he got there, the scripture says that he was compelled by the spirit to go there. I'm talking about ministering cross-culturally. So he's not only ministering to a woman who is uh, Samaritan. She's the wrong ethnicity. Number two, he's a rabbi talking to a woman in public. That's taboo. And number three, this woman got a reputation. (sighs) That's a whole nother sermon that I ain't going to get to. What prejudices do you carry that the dormant Holy Spirit in you wants you to overcome? And the reason you're still struggling with it is because the Holy Spirit hasn't been activated in you. Because if he really were activated in you, you wouldn't have that kind of venom and vitriol. Because the Holy Spirit empowers us to minister in Samaria cross-culturally, where these people had a history of Jews, don't mix with Samaritans. And the first thing he says is, when my church is born, you're going to go there too. And fourthly, he says, you're going to go to the ends of the earth. You know what ends of the earth means? It means the Spirit of God will empower you to go into every man's world. The Great Commission is not reserved for Sunday morning in the four walls of this church. It's what happens after we leave. Right, right. Yeah. Listen to me. Listen to me. Every week, some of us might go to the, the gas station maybe twice a week. Come on, somebody. I don't even want to talk about the gas station no more. <laughs> Why? Well, listen, gas station right now in the same category as Apple devices in my book. Yo, yo, one and the same. But how many people go to the gas station, fill up their car, and just sit there? Oh, I got a full tank and never leave the filling station. No, the reason you fill up is so that you can go. When we gather on Sunday mornings is to be refilled, to replenish but you aren't replenished so you can just sit in these pews and do nothing with what you received. The reason we are replenished is so we can go to the ends of the earth and make a difference in the marketplace and make a difference in the public square. And that's why I commend people like Chuck Smith, who serves in the public square, but also in the marketplace. He brings that power into that space. Are y'all with me? He wants us to be difference makers. He wants us to be difference makers. And so this is where I close. That was the promise made. said, so I'm gonna make you a promise that I'm gonna send Holy Spirit. And when I send Holy Spirit, you will be comforted, but you're also gonna receive power to be my witnesses, to live and die if necessary for your convictions. And then on the day of Pentecost, which we're celebrating today, the promise was fulfilled. So Jesus, in Acts chapter 8, it's about the 40th day after his, uh, the Passover, approximately 40 days, and you know that Jesus was crucified on Passover, uh, or, or, or uh, shortly after Passover. Uh, and so it's approximately 40 days when he ascends into heaven, he gives them Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, and he says, wait in Jerusalem until you receive power from on high. And so they waited there for approximately 10 days because the day of Pentecost was a feast that was celebrated 50 days after Passover. It's where we get penta for five. You say pentagon, it's the number for five. Pentecost is, it has a Greek derivative for 50. So 50 days. The Jews called it Shavuot. Shavuot was a, uh, a harvest feast. So 50 days after they, um, they uh, 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 um, what's the word I'm looking for? What do you do with the harvest? After they reaped the harvest, then 50 days later, they celebrated the harvest that they reaped. The idea there is 50 days after the crucifixion, the Spirit of God descended upon the church, approximately 50 days. And so on the day of Pentecost, notice what the, what the verse says. Acts chapter 2. Do you have this, uh, Jewel? And this is where I'm going to wrap up. Acts chapter 2, beginning at verse 1. Is this helping anybody yet? Okay, okay. Acts chapter 2, beginning at verse number 1. Oh, I love this. Because this is why I'm going to close. Because I don't want to just preach this to you and say, well, this is what the Bible says. I want you guys to say, okay, this is what the Bible says, but this is how I apply it to my life. So Holy Spirit can make his home in me. So this power, I can see the evidence of this power at work within me. That's what we want. Not just for you to know what scripture says. We need to walk, walk, walk it out. We need to walk it like we talk it. Hmm. So I'm going to give you these things quickly to show you how this works. <clears throat> it says, now when the day of Pentecost had fully come. Come on, somebody. I love that. You know how the old mothers of the church would say, he may not come when you want him, but he will be there right on time. The scripture says, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, hey, in the right moment, at the right time, God poured out the Holy Spirit. Listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. Some of us are coming into a season, of, listen to me, of divine appointments. There are two words used for the word time in Scripture, most frequently. One of them is the word chronos. The other one is the word kairos. <laughs> the word chronos speaks of chronological time. That's why we have watches and we call them what? Chronographs. It speaks of sequential time, it speaks of a 24 hour circle. But then there is Kairos, which speaks of an appointed time. Hey, an appointed time, an established time. A sad time. Listen, y'all going to make me jump off the stage. And I'm talking to somebody in this room right now, just as when the day of Pentecost had fully come, God poured out his spirit. Some of you are walking into your appointed time. You've been waiting in that upper room, praying, praying. Ten days later, on the 50th day, when the day had fully come. Then God poured out his spirit. Somebody say, right place, right right time, right Right. Right things happen. Let me tell you something about appointed time, too, though. Y'all ready for this? Jesus makes this curious statement in the Gospels. He says, the first shall be what? And the last shall be? I don't know if you've ever been in a store Uh -uh, when it's really busy. Hmm? Walmart, Kroger, Costco. Let's say it's the day before Thanksgiving. Yeah, you already know what time it is, right? If you ain't bought yourself already, you know what time it is, right? You might even not even get a parking spot in the garage. But let's say you make it into Costco or the supermarket or whatever. Have you ever been, and I love these moments, when you're just standing in line. And you may be the last person in the line. Yeah? And that cashier just kind of sneaks up on their register. Nobody else paying attention. But you see them. And they see you. You're smiling like you all know what I'm talking about. Come on, somebody. And they signal to you. And you got 20 people in front of you. You're the 21st. They all the way over there. And they signal to you. They don't say nothing. They just wave over to you. Listen. You know what appointed time looks like? It's when God says, it may not be your turn, but it is your time. Listen, I don't say those things lightly. I don't know who it's for. But there is an appointed time. There is a Pentecost moment coming for some of y'all where it may not be your turn, But God says, it's your time, baby. And while everybody else is waiting in line, God's going to move you from the back of the line to the front of the line because it is your appointed time. The scripture says, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, appointed time, notice, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a mighty rushing wind. Ah, Lord, I can't go into this. I got to let y'all go. Y'all come back next week we got to come back next week so we can talk about what happens when the promise is fulfilled. The conditions, the conditions and the environments that we create in order for the Holy Spirit to visit our lives. Most of us talk about the suddenlies of God, but we don't realize that the process precedes the suddenly. Next week, I want to talk about the process that most of us miss where God wants to visit us, but the conditions aren't right. Hmm? I'm going to talk bad about my people right now. And so if you're a Liberian and you're watching, I'm not dissing Liberians, I'm just describing the conditions. Liberia is listed as, I think now, the third poorest country in the world. There's so much I could say about that. But there is so much blatant corruption that people who went into government less than, so the president goes in for six, six years, his term. They're about four and a half years in. People who went in there with nothing. multi-millionaires in four and a half years so one of the biggest stories coming out of Liberia right now is the fact that airlines are pulling out because the airport is so unsafe and one of the biggest stories is the fact that SN Brussels which is the Belgian airline which is the only airline that continued to fly to Liberia even during the Civil War was flying from Freetown, which is the capital of Sierra Leone, next door into Liberia, and they couldn't land because there was no electricity at the airport. And so from the reports, the pilot is calling air traffic control and nobody's responding because the lights are out. Listen to me, at a brand new airport that was just commissioned and dedicated, I think about four years ago, Delta pulled out. They were flying to Liberia because of security issues. So the pilot from S.N. Brussels, guess what he does? I mean, the dude's hovering and nobody's responding, so guess what he does? He takes that plane and all the passengers takes them back to Freetown, Sierra Leone, about another 45 minutes away. I wonder how many of us are like that with God, where God says it's your set time, and he's hovering over your landing strip, the runway of your life, but the conditions aren't conducive for him to land. You know why Holy Spirit showed up? The scripture says that these 120 people, it's hard enough to get five or ten people on the same page. But there were 120 people in the same place. And the scripture says they were in one accord. Praying. expectation. And in that place, at the appointed time, because the conditions were right, the Holy Spirit said, here I come. And I wonder how many of us, God is sort of, are you listening to what I'm saying? I'm going to talk about the fact that the Holy Spirit is eternal. And I wonder how many of us are having a Genesis 1 experience where the, the Bible says that the earth was void and without form chaos and the Holy Spirit was just brooding over it I wonder how many of our lives are like that S.N. Brussels flight that said I wish I could land but all I can do is hover because there's too much chaos and your life is void and without form Father help us today help us today Help us today to just make the adjustments so that you can come and visit us with your presence and your power. Bring order to the chaotic places in our lives. Father, I pray that our lives and our homes, our families, would look like the 120 faithful who were gathered in the upper room. And God, I don't know what happened to all the other people that Jesus appeared to. He appeared to as many as 500 in one setting, yet only 120 made it to the upper room. I pray, God, that at Converge Church, we would be like the 120 who make it to the upper room. And not only will we make it to the upper room, God, we will create conditions that are conducive for you to abide, that we would be in one accord, in the same place saying the same things dreaming the same dreams for your kingdom and for your glory maybe you're here this morning and you've never trusted Jesus as your Lord and Savior you've never asked him to come into your heart maybe there are some chaotic places in your lives and you say in your life and you say, Jesus I know the Holy Spirit is hovering over my life, but I want him to take up residence. I don't just want him to hover, I want him to land. If that's you this morning, with every head bowed and every eye closed, we want to pray for you so that Jesus can bring order to the chaotic places in your life. If that's you, on the count of three, just slip up your hand, every head bowed, every eye closed, one, two, three. I see those hands, I see those hands. Thank you, Lord. I see those hands. If you're watching online, you can put those hands down. You can put those hands down. Thank you, Lord. If you're watching online, and that's you, we want you to join us in this prayer, that God will visit those chaotic places in your lives. And this is what we're going to do, Converge. As a church family, as a church family, we're going to pray this simple prayer together. And we believe that God will bring order to those chaotic places. Let's pray. Say, Dear God. I come to you now in Jesus' name. I acknowledge my need for you. Jesus, come into my life, forgive my sins, bring order to the chaotic places in my life. I acknowledge you and I receive you now as my Lord and my Savior. And I thank you for ordering my steps from this day forward in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen and amen. Listen, if you prayed that prayer, we have some resources at the Connection Center that we wanna get to you. We got a free Bible for you. We have a mini book called uh, 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 Fresh Start, and it'll help you understand what it looks like to be a devoted follower of Christ and how to exercise some Christ-like disciplines, prayer, Bible study, community, and, uh, and all of that. If you also want, uh, if you just feel like, you know what, Pastor Ray, I just need prayer. I, need, I, need, I just need prayer. And you want to stay a while, and we can visit with you and pray with you. We want to do that for you as well. This is week one of Ghost Stories. Listen, we're barely scratching the surface. We talked about the promise made. Next week, we're going to talk about the promise fulfilled. And the conditions that we need to create in our lives, so the Holy Spirit can pour out His power in our lives. Why don't you stand with us, Coquetzal? Would you come, please?
3: Amen. Thank you. Amen. Wow! What a word! What a word! Um. So you know, you you don't want to miss next week. Uh, this entirety of the series, you want to make it to the service you want to watch online uh this is a powerful powerful message the purpose the power of the holy spirit amen all right with hands lifted up to heaven let us pray may the lord bless you and even keep you may he make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you may the lord lift up his countenance towards you and give you peace in the name of jesus amen
4: impacted by today's worship experience, we'd love to hear from you. Maybe today's sermon was exactly what you needed to hear, or you prayed the prayer of salvation for the first time. If so, we've got some information that we'd love to send you to help kickstart your relationship with God. Or if you want more information on how to join our virtual family, please email us at echurch at If you'd like to partner with us financially, you can do so online safely and securely by visiting www.weareconverged.com forward slash give. Or you can give via text by texting CONVERGE GIVE along with the dollar amount that you'd like to donate to 77977. Also, you can find all this information on our mobile app. Simply search the app or the Play Store for Converge Church Plano and download the app. It's that easy. Thank you again for joining us for today's worship experience. We look forward to staying connected with you.